Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, Blue Jays on the verge of the postseason. They lead the Yankees 2-0. That game in the bottom of the fifth, of course, we will keep you updated. Stanley Cup final resumes tomorrow, game four at six o'clock, and then game five right away on Saturday at six. And we have both of them for you right here on 6.30. Chad, NBA tonight, Lakers and Denver, seven o'clock tip. Lakers lead that series two games to one. Thursday night football kicks off in about 15 minutes. It is uh, Miami against Jacksonville, so we'll follow that one for you as well. We have a lot to uh, get to tonight, but we want to dive right in with a very special guest, a former member of your Edmonton Oil Kings, and uh, he will remain a member of the Buffalo Sabres. He signs a new two-year contract with the Sabres. It is Curtis Lazar. Curtis, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for checking in. Of course, uh, the Sabres uh, tweeting up the news this afternoon about uh, about the new deal. Tell us about, you know, about getting this done. Um, you know, obviously, uh, free agency or whatever could have happened. How does it feel to get this out of the way? You know, it, it feels great. And uh, just in the sense, you know, the hockey world, I guess mean, in the world itself, you know, everything was just kind of up in the air. And uh, for a season to come to a halt at the way it did, it's... Uh, it was pretty tough, but, you know, I liked my season. I liked the position I was put in, and, uh, you know, the, the turnover, you know, within the, the Sabres organization kind of led to a few things that, you know, had to be put on hold and whatnot, but uh, I had some good dialogue over the last couple of weeks, and I'm uh, very happy to get things done and to continue on with the Sabres. Well, what, what do they tell you, if anything, about how they see you or, or who they want you to be as a player? I mean, I think some, some things about you are pretty um, well established. So to tell us about uh, any, anything role-wise that's been communicated to you. Yeah, I mean, not much. I think it's just to continue to grow on my uh, my play from last season. Uh, you know, Ralph Kruger, uh, you know, I part of the penalty kill and, and just kind of like that so you know i'm looking forward to kind of growing with this team as we take that next step and uh you know having you know our new gm kevin adams at the helm you know he's got a big free agency coming up and uh just like i said just being a part of the mix it feels good i'm, I'm very happy with my season but uh you know i want to continue to grow that role and so we'll see what it uh, develops into but uh you know i'm happy where i am and uh you know i can't wait to get going next season you were on the show shortly after the the NHL was placed on pause, and, and I believe, you know, you were uh, figuring out a way to work out. I think you might have been trying to buy some equipment or something like that. Uh, what what eventually uh, happened to help you stay fit here? Yeah, uh, like you said, we talked back in quarantine where you know we were really just trying to be in lockdown and stay safe. And now, as I mean, everyone knows it's a matter of just you know kind of uh, managing the the pandemic the best we can. So I mean, I've been training in the gym. We got some great protocols in place, and I've been able to get on the ice once or twice a week. Uh, you know, out here in the Okanagan as well. So you know, I'm uh, I'm jumping the bit to get going. It's yeah, it's been fun to watch the playoffs on TV and stuff. But that just you know fuels your fire a bit more. You know, I'm excited for next season. I hope we can uh, you know figure out. 
the dates and the details sooner than later. But again, I mean, everyone's safety is still the, the top priority. So we'll let everything just kind of, you know, run its course. And when the next season is ready to go, then uh, I'll be ready as well. Well, yeah, and it's so weird. And that's the one thing that came up as, as they came up with the return to play that for the, the teams who weren't in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it could be eight, nine, ten months be- between games. How how odd is it going through a break? Because like, we still don't really know when the league's going to be back. Yeah, no, it's, it's strange. And, you know, really breaking down your training aspects because, yeah, you know, us athletes, you know, we, we're always trying to push to get better and whatnot. But, you know, once in a while you get to pump the brakes too. You know, use this time to kind of maximize your uh, development without burning yourself out. And I really kind of broken down, especially my on-ice stuff in, uh, you know, segments of working on more so individual skill work and then gradual getting to some flow drills, more practice type setup with, you know, the most numbers as you can get. And then uh, from there, I'm hoping to get enough guys out here that you know, we can kind of do some game type situations and some simulations but i mean ultimately everyone's doing the best they can if nothing really is the same but you know that's just the hand we've been dealt you know everyone's dealing with it and uh like i said is you gotta do what you can i mean it is our job to be prepared to play whenever that is but uh i got a pretty good setup out here in Kelowna. all right i i just want to ask you a couple quick ones about the cup final um i know you're a buffalo saber do you have any inclination towards the dallas stars because of coach laxtall or i'm sure you know, for him individually, there must be something there. Yeah, I, I mean, just watching those two teams, they're both, uh, you know, very competitive teams. Uh, and, and like you said, that connection with Coach Slackstall, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, he's getting his crack at the NHL this season. And, I mean, his celebration is fist pumps on the bench never get old. And, uh, you know, after they locked up that game to get in uh, into the finals, it's, it's pretty cool to see. And uh, I think I'd say that I'm, I am rooting for Dallas a little bit just for him because, uh, obviously, you know, he's a tremendous person and was a great coach during my time at Edmonton. And uh, I wish him all the best out there. But, uh, like I said, it's, it's a good final to watch. And uh, it's pretty cool how the NHL has been able to pull off the entire uh, bubble situation yeah well curtis again congratulations on the new deal with the sabers a two-year contract good for you i know you're busy today and you probably have more of these to do so thanks for fitting us in here on 6 30 chat on inside sports keep in touch we'll talk down the road for sure thanks for having me reed all right that's curtis lazar checking in tonight uh definitely one of the good guys in the world of hockey and uh you fell in love with him as a member of the oil kings he was an awesome player here and helped them win uh, the memorial cup and another whl title another appearance in the whl championship series uh, had some ups and downs of course like a lot of young guys in an nhl career but uh two-year deal with the sabers okay we got to take a uh, quick time out a-, a lot of questions about Next year, next season, what's going to happen? We'll try to shed some light. Chris Johnston from Sportsnet when we get back. wondering with the border restrictions such as they are here do you view an all canadian division next year as one of the options that you're weighing we're, we're looking at every option and i'm not going to single out anyone and i'm not going to even buy into the speculation that that's a possibility if there's an option to consider it believe me we're considering it you know i've i've always thought that if gary bedman were a basketball player he could be dikembe mutombo just swatting questions away like blocked shots in the key i thought that was a pretty good question now i'm biased because i really like the guy who was asking it and that's chris johnston from sportsnet who's on the line 
right now. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, before we get into the specifics of what you were asking about, you know, I've had the opportunity to interview Gary a couple of times one-on-one, not as much as you have, but he is he is the master of taking the conversation of, of where he wants it to go, I've always thought. Oh, yeah, and, and look, all's fair and love war and journalism. You know, no hard feelings for me, of course, and I, I've dealt with Gary for a long, long time, and I've always found him to be very fair, and, and you're right. He, he will not... Uh, he, he will not allow anyone else to dictate what what comes out of it you know if you you think back over the years i mean you might not always agree with him but i I don't think he's rarely really made missteps in interviews too often i mean i think he's uh pretty forthright he's very bright and uh he does not want us getting too specific about these kind of talks right now because i I do believe at at the root of it he doesn't know what next season is going to look like just yet yeah, and, and he obviously emphasized that. But look, you, you, you asked the question for a reason, um, and there, there is a lot out there on the table and a lot being speculated about it, uh, about about Gary doesn't want to do it. We can do it because we're on a sports talk show. So what do you what do you think about the possibility of, of a Canadian division? Is it realistic whenever we drop the puck again, you know, late December or, or January? What are you hearing there? Well, I, I think it's certainly among the options that are being considered. Um, you know, just because of the fact that, you know, we, we don't know what the federal government's going to do here. And, and, you know, as a Canadian speaking, not just a hockey reporter, I've, I've actually liked that our government has, has been a little stricter with quarantine rules and, and kept the borders closed and, and made it hard. But look, you know, we're, we're, you know, reaching the end of a Stanley Cup final year and not very many players' families can, can even be in the building or be there to celebrate with, um, you know, whoever uh, ends up winning this thing. And so... You know, for me, uh, you know, it just might be the only way to do it because if, if you're going to have games next year not played in bubbles, which is, I believe, the, you know, the, the preferred route at this point in time, um, you know, you're not going to be able to have teams coming in and out of Canada to play a couple games and just leave. You know, there, there's quarantine rules that would have to be observed, and I think it would make the schedule, and especially the kind of schedule we're, we're looking at most likely for 2020-21 season, un, unworkable. So, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that this isn't about it's good for Canada or it's it's good for the NHL to have all the Canadian teams together. I think it would it would simply just be a solution to a, a, a challenge. And, and the challenge right now is that travel is severely restricted and, you know, it might remain that way into December, January, February, whenever we're, we're starting this next season. Yeah. That, w- that would be incredible to see, the seven Canadian teams just playing each other. So depending on the length of the season, you're looking at six, eight, ten even a dozen <laughs> meetings against each team. I, I mean, uh, certainly we see Edmonton play its Western rivals a lot, Leafs, Canadians, and centers. But, but I mean, I, to, to, on one level, that would be really fun to see the increased rivalries, the increased, uh, and I, I'm totally going down fantasy lane here, but the increased uh, <laughs> fan interaction, shall we say, if Edmonton and Toronto were to play 10 times or Winnipeg and Montreal or whatever duo you want to look at. Yeah, I don't know if hockey Twitter could handle it, if we're being honest. I mean, it, just because, you know, all these teams are have very passionate fan bases and they, they tend to have larger fan bases. You know, Canadians love the sport. And, um, you know, it, it would be fun. I'm with you. I, it, those are the, some of my favorite games, the all-Canadian games, just, just to cover in, in normal times. You know, I think, of course, one of the challenges would be, you know, I don't know if in Canada if we're going to be anywhere near where fans can be in the stands for these games either. So... You know, the, it would probably be good for a television product, and I happen to work for uh, the broadcaster that shows the game. So, you know, we've got a stake in this thing, and you know, I think it would would be good for TV ratings here in Canada. But 
um, you know, look, it, it would be fun. I think because there would be an understanding. It, it's a one-off, or it's it's only this the circumstances of the universe that's brought this together. And it's almost like reimagining how the NHL works next year. And and no matter what we end up with, even if it's not an All Canadian Division, I think it's going to be reimagined. I don't imagine we're going to be coming back with the same four divisions and and you know. The, the, the old format of, of who you play when and how many times. I think this, this is going to look different. I just don't know what that look's going to be yet. Well, Chris, and it's been interesting listening to Bettman and Daly, not just in their availability on the weekend, but some of the things they've said as we've gone through this. And, and I'm just wondering what you think when you hear uh, we want an 82-game season and we want a full playoffs. But then you also hear we don't want to go into the summer and you also hear we'd like to be back on calendar for the fall of 2021. I just don't see how they get all three of those things. Like, to me, that's a pretty lofty wish list if you're not starting until December or January. Am I, am I missing something here logistically, or do you think ultimately at least one of those things will have to be sacrificed? I, I think you're, you're going down the right track there. I mean, they've said this is what we want. Uh, that they've not said this is a promise that we're going to be able to deliver this. And, and you know, there's, there's an important distinction there. I mean, any season that it isn't 82 games, you know, that, that, that it impacts the players in a meaningful way. It would mean that Connor McDavid gets, if it's a 50-game season, just to throw a number out there, he would get 50-82s of his, of his contract. Um, you know, those contracts are based on 82-game seasons. And so I, I don't think the league is in a position to come out and say we're not going to play an 82-game season. But once they, they really dig into this and they, they get a sense from the health authorities where things are going to be at and when, you know, I think that they're, they're going to have to crunch some numbers. And, and you know, there's going to have to be fans in the stands in some arenas sometime next season or there is no next season. And, you know, the good news if you're a sports fan is that that's starting to happen. I mean, we're seeing the NFL play games with fans. You know, even the Stars during this Cup Final have had watch parties in their arena in Dallas. And, and so, you know, some, some local health authorities are, are going to allow that to happen, I would think, assuming everything goes okay with the NFL. It's really a, t- a test balloon right now in a lot of ways, I think, for what the NHL and, and even the NBA when it comes back, you know, the, the types of things that they can do. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I have trouble. I don't think you could tick every box that he said there. And, and I think the real deadline for next summer and this is another assumption, but if, if there's an Olympics in Tokyo, that's basically the NHL's deadline. The cup would have to be handed out before that because NBC is, a you know, the league's U.S.-based, um, you know, rights broadcaster and, and also has the U.S.-based Olympic rights, and, and, and they wouldn't want a conflict there. So, you know, we, we're looking at the, the next Stanley Cup being awarded by somewhere around July 15th, July 20th of, of 2021, and then you work backwards from there. What, what day can you start? And, you know, what can you reasonably jam into that schedule? And, and you know, we already know there's going to be no all-star game, no bye weeks, none, none, none of the anything on the outside. It will just be a straight season. And, and I imagine it will be a season with a, a, a compressed amount of games. You know, I think one thing they're going to do is maybe adopt something almost that looks a little bit like baseball where you go and play a series against a team uh, in a city uh, is one way to limit the, the, the travel and maybe do this a little bit more effectively. You know, I'm making some assumptions that the travel is going to still be possible then and all this is going to happen. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to get creative. And I think part of that creativity ultimately is just going to be something less than 82 games. Chris Johnson from Sportsnet joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, a couple quick ones here before I let you go. Steven Stamkos, who may finish the Stanley Cup final with the best goals per minute ratio ever. <laughs> do, we, do we see him again in the series, regardless of how far it goes? My sense is we probably don't. And, you know, look, 
players play through tremendous injuries every single year when we get to the final. I mean, you know, once once a team's been eliminated or they've won and their coach does a press conference, GM does a press conference, they'll list 12 guys who had significant injuries. So, you know, I, I'm not ruling them out for the series because we've, we have seen some amazing things in the past. But, you know, everything about the way Game 3 unfolded to me, it was honestly like a storybook. And, and, and I viewed him being on the bench there, watching most of the second period and all the third period as just him savoring that moment where he's in uniform, he's part of the battle with his team, he's, you know, he's contributed to you know, a game that they ended up finishing out and winning. And you know, he probably knew deep down that, that he'd given it what he could and, and then he stopped. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of strange. It wasn't the plan for him to, to play that little. Um, but you know, pretty, pretty magical moment and I found even being in the arena, even with no fans, even with every how weird everything is, it was just, it was it was pretty cool. You know, Steven Stamkos has had a lot of hard luck over the years. I, I, I'd suggest maybe the most star-crossed player of his generation, just because he's had so many random injuries and they've taken him out of so many big moments and and and, and opportunities and and um, you know for him to at least get to appear in this after living in, in the bubble for 60 days away from his wife and his son and not knowing if he was going to be able to play and then to score on one of the five shifts he takes. I mean, if the Lightning go on to win the Cup, we'll, we'll be talking about that goal for 50 years. All right, and last one, uh, Alex Petrangelo. Does, does it ultimately get figured out with the Blues? That, that was a really strange one to me when that news started breaking about a week ago. Yeah, I wouldn't rule the him out in St. Louis just yet. And, you know, this has been a tough negotiation. I think it's going to be a tough year for a lot of free agents. You know, Alex is, is the top potential free agent in the league right now. But, you know, I, I just think it makes too much sense for both him and St. Louis to, to find a way to work this out. But, you know, when the news came out a week or so ago that they were breaking off talks, it's because they, they weren't anywhere near each other and what they, they needed in a contract to make sense. And so I suppose, you know, I, I think anything's possible right now. Obviously, he's inching closer and closer and closer to, um, you know, a time when he can explore the market and see what other teams, how they value him, what, what options might be out there for him. But... I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Steven Stamco sending to this, if you remember back in 2016 when, you know, he briefly tested the market and ended up resigning in, in, in Tampa. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to, to consider that there's going to be a better offer put on the table from St. Louis uh, before this, this whole thing plays out. Yeah, I hear you there. Hey, Chris, thanks for checking in. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always love your insight. And, uh, hey, buddy, enjoy your last few days in Edmonton. You're, you're going to be going home soon, so enjoy it, man. I, I will, and I've been enjoying the River Valley here. It's been, been uh, an awesome experience, and uh, I just what an awesome city. Thanks for having me. Yeah, right on. Well, glad you're enjoying the River Valley, Chris. That's for sure. He's been in Edmonton the last couple of weeks covering the Stanley Cup playoffs. A lot of talk there about uh, next season. Yeah, Chris kind of with me. Not sure how they start in January and fit in 82 and avoid summer hockey and all that kind of stuff, but that'll be an ongoing storyline for the NHL. Who's uh, who's watching hockey? What are people watching during this uh, odd time? Sean Fitzgerald will fill us in when we get back. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
who'd won the Hart Trophy. And the Ted Lindsay. And the Art Ross. Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. Blue Jays looking good. Bottom of the sixth. They are up 2-0 on the Yankees. Now they have a couple runners on base here batting with one out. So I'll let you know if they're able to extend that lead. Simple for the Blue Jays. They win. They are in the postseason. The magic number is one. So they, they will get there. I guess barring a collapse similar to what happened back in 1987. I won't go into that whole tale with the Blue Jays and the Tigers, but if uh, you're old enough to remember, I'm sure you remember that final uh, disastrous week of the season for the Blue Jays when it looked like they were going to clinch the AL East. Anyway, I don't know why I brought up such a depressing memory tonight. Like that was, that was awful in 87 for the Blue Jays. Anyway, they are leading tonight two nothing Alfonso Davies, the amazing Edmontonian with Bayern Munich. They win the UEFA super cup with a two, one win today over Spanish club Sevilla. 2-1 for Bayern Munich in that one. The football game is uh, underway as I'm uh, searching for my scoreboard. 7-0 for the Dolphins, leading the Jaguars about seven minutes into the first quarter. Basketball a bit later on tonight. Lakers and Denver game four, that best of seven West final. The Lakers lead it two games to one. Uh, Curtis Lazar, the former Edmonton Oil King, a new two-year contract with the Buffalo Sabres. We had him on off the top of the show and some good discussion with Sportsnet's Chris Johnston about next season. Uh, What is the NHL going to do? Will Gary Bettman and the league get everything that they want? It does not appear likely. uh, Full 82 games done before the Olympics, done before the summer, uh, back on calendar for next year. Fans in the stands at some point. uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to get everything on their wish list, but uh, they're definitely going to try. And as Bevan pointed out when he spoke on the weekend, he will wait as long as he can before making a decision, just like they did with uh, the return to play and picking the Hub Cities. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. By the way, you can call or text 780-496-0063 An early nominee for the text of the night comes from Kevin. He says, all the seasons the Blue Jays were trading players, signing players, trying to figure out a way to make their team better. Oh, and all they had to do was leave Toronto. That's kind of funny. Playing, of course, away games and uh, then their home games in Buffalo during this very unusual season. That is clever, Kevin. I I do appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Oh, also uh, a report today uh, out of Europe that uh, Oilers forward Joachim Nygaard, another issue with his hand and likely going to uh, undergo surgery. So that's tough with uh, for Nygaard, though, of course, given the timeline for the National Hockey League, um, you know, if they're not back till January, that would give them a lot of time to recover. It, it's really, it, it's obviously so crazy what we're going through, and it's interesting what people are are following or not following. I, I did have a good buddy who's, who's a big hockey fan tell me last night that he, he just, once the Oilers were out, he had trouble following the playoffs. And he said that's, you know, often been the case with the Oilers not being in the postseason or, or going two rounds a few years ago. But but he said he kind of lost interest earlier than usual this year. It was uh, weird the other night that there was a Stanley Cup final game going on the same time as Monday Night Football. That's never happened before. So uh, who's who's watching what? How, how, what are what are the ratings like? I'm really curious here, and you can let me know on the text line too if you've prioritized one sport or league over another. And my good buddy Sean Fitzgerald from the Athletic is on the line. First of all, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. How are things? Hey, when you're talking about Alfonso Davies as the amazing Edmontonian, I was under the impression everybody in Edmonton was amazing. 
Yes, well, soccer-wise. Are, are you the outlier here? What's going on? I, I'm the outlier that's not amazing, definitely. <laughs> That's right. That's 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 very true. That is that that is very true. But well, but that I mean that is, um, and you know, and I and I know he came to Edmonton, and, and obviously he went to the Whitecaps. But a lot of his training was uh, right here in Edmonton, and he, he's an he's an incredible talent at, at a very young age. Edmonton's on a bit of a run when it comes to world-beating young talent. When you figure the, the young running back in the NCAA, Chuba Hubbard, and, and now Alfonso Davies. I mean, who's next? What's next? What sport are you guys going to take over next? Will you leave some for the rest of us? Uh, maybe dressage? I don't know. Well, that's a Cal- Is that a Calgary thing? I feel like that's a Calgary thing. I that, do- yeah, that's Spruce Metals, I guess. Well, we'll hone yeah. in on their territory. We can do that. No, but I'm glad you brought up Hubbard because he's an awesome story. He's probably going to be playing on uh, – if it's highly likely he's going to be playing on Sundays. If not, there will, there will be nine teams north of the border who will like that ratio shifter. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I kidding. forgot to check? The CFL released its neg list. Well, I mean, the portion of them today. Was he on any of them? Or I guess would he, would he, is he, he qualifies as a draft pick, does he not? Yeah, uh, that's good. Oh, yes, because he can still be drafted to the CFL yeah. this so the next yeah, draft. Because he's, he's Canadian, so he's still drafted even though he's in the Yeah, NFL so you can't, you can't put him on a, on a neg list. So with the S, uh, or pardon me, the double E, uh, they got Zilstra's brother on there, and they had yeah. uh, Josh Rosen, who's uh, in the NFL as a quarterback. Well, I mean, most so importantly, I noticed that the defending Grey Cup champion, the perennially Grey Cup champion defending uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers now, have Ian Book, the uh, starting quarterback at the University of Notre Dame, on their neg list. So I'm looking forward to watching the Bombers win uh, 15 of the next 20 or so breakups. It'll be interesting to watch that. <laughs> well, their fan base would appreciate it. You know that, especially since they have to wait since uh, 1990 to get this this last one. Hey, thanks for checking in tonight, man. I, I always love talking to you. And uh, I, I loved your, your story in The Athletic today because it's kind of, you know, that kind of was in the back of my mind where I'm like, okay, Dallas, Tampa Bay, uh, the conference finals are in late August, early September. The, the weather, for the most part, has still been pretty good, at least in this part of the world. What are, what are Canadians watching? What are Canadians watching? Are they glued to the cup final, or, or are viewing habits totally turned on their ear here? You know, it's been really interesting to chart this through the course of the pandemic. And, I mean, God knows there's been enough time to chart things when there's nothing going on. But, I mean, if you, if you go all the way back to, you know, March, which feels like it was about both 10 years ago and three minutes ago, um, you know, that's when TSN started, you know, replaying the 1983 Southwestern Alberta Dodgeball Championships and Sportsnet was running, you know, 30-year-old baseball games and all that stuff. There was no live programming. And then, you know, after a little while, some live programming started trickling back on. You know, you had you had NASCAR on TSN, you had live UFC, and then you had other things slowly come back online. Remember the, the, the Bundesliga, the, the, the obviously Bayern, back on television. The numbers, you would think, because it was live programming and because, you know, so many people in Canada and North America just, just really have a huge diet of live sports on their plate every day, you'd think the numbers were big, but, but really they weren't. Frankly, for the longest time, the big ratings winner in Canadian sports television, even when some of the live sports started coming back on, was, I believe it was Friday Night Smackdown on Sportsnet, was one of the highest rated sports programs in this country. Um, So, you know, you fast forward and you have all of a sudden the Stanley Cup playoffs being contested in the middle of a pandemic. And you have them, as you mentioned, being contested while they're, you know, playing up against Monday Night Football in September. The kids are back in school. So would people be watching? 
Now, Rogers, Sportsnet had spoken bravely of, yes, you know, even if the Canadian teams crap out, as is our national tradition, um, people would still watch because there's enough pent-up demand that you'd gone long enough without hockey that you'd watch. But, but what it turns out is, no, no, they haven't, not at all. In fact, you know, the very first game that Edmonton played in its qualifying round against Chicago, you remember it was early August, it was September, it was a Saturday, and not only that, it was, it was really early on a Saturday afternoon. That game outdrew game two of the Stanley Cup final this week. Really? Yeah. By, I mean, it was it was close. I think it was something like, you know, that game, which was, I think, 3 o'clock Eastern, which would have been about 1 o'clock your time, noon Pacific, drew about 851,000. So they, they call it an average minute audience. So we just call it an average audience. It's the number of people who are watching continuously. About 851,000 Canadians were watching that game. Game two between Dallas and Tampa, which was Monday night, against Monday night football, drew something like 842. So, I mean, it's close, but it, it, it shouldn't be close because, you know, it is the Stanley Cup final. But, but yeah, Canadians generally, for a bunch of reasons that we can discuss here, um, haven't really been watching. So what do you think, or maybe someone told you this in your travels and doing research for this story, what if it's, and I, I don't want to just pick Edmonton or Toronto because those are our cities, and, and but like what if it's Winnipeg in the Cup final? Does that resonate uh, coast to coast, would that would that have a huge impact? Like, would it have a huge ratings impact outside of what a ever Canadian city would have been in the final? You know what I mean? Uh, for other Canadian markets, do you think? Yeah, I think it would have. It, it might not have been. I mean, certainly depending on the market, that the narrative shifts. Um, like, if you had Connor McDavid, you know, playing for his very first Stanley Cup title, you bet you a lot of Canadians are going to be watching that. If you had the Montreal Canadiens back in, um, you know, having the Ottawa Senators in as they were a few years ago, you know, that might not carry the boat to record levels, but more Canadians are going to watch because, again, it's something up here, right? And, and no Canadian teams won since 1993, and these are the teams you see most often when you watch the highlights on SportsCenter TSN. So, yeah, if it was, you know, say Toronto, Toronto and the Edmonton Oilers, which which will never happen in either of our lifetimes, or maybe even in the lifetimes of everybody listening right now. I mean, certainly not at the same time, outside of like NHL 20 on EA Sports, <laughs> if you're really good on Xbox. Say that happened. Rogers Sportsnet, from everybody I spoke with, insiders, um, outsiders, everybody around the business, I mean, they would be making a very good um, dent on that $5.2 billion contract that they you know, had with the NHL for exclusive national rights. The Canadian teams are the key to that deal. And because the Canadian teams so often since they signed it in 2013 have crapped out so early in the playoffs, it just looks worse and worse and worse. But yeah, if it, if it was Connor McDavid against Austin Matthews in the Stanley Cup final, like, you know, Rogers might well have part of the Royal Canadian Mint in its basement this week. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic joining us tonight on Insights Force. What, uh, what did you find out about the, the Raptors? I mean, certainly... The, the championship last year, I think, expanded their fan base. Uh, you know, it's funny. My parents can name almost all the Raptors now. I don't think 18 months ago that they could have done that. What, were they a big uh, winner here going through that series with Boston? You know, one of my favorite parts of some of these statistics through the pandemic was 
Uh, you remember again early on um, to fill some of this gaping maw of programming, Sportsnet and TSN actually got together. So it was the Hatfields and McCoys got down and sat down together at the dinner table and figured out, you know what we need to do? We need to rebroadcast the entire Raptors championship run from last year. So what they did was they picked a starting date and, and all the games that TSN carried last year and all the games that Sportsnet carried last year were rebroadcast in order. So it gave them several weeks of programming, right, all the way from the opening round against Orlando to, you know, Philadelphia and Minnesota and then obviously Golden State. That game winner, the Kawhi Leonard hit against Philadelphia, that game had a reach of something like 900,000 Canadians. So what that means is it doesn't mean 900,000 Canadians watch the whole game. But 900,000 Canadians tuned in to watch at least part of that game. And you can probably guess which part. But still, 900,000 to watch a year-old game. Um, like the Raptors have done very well in, in, in spite of the fact that, you know, it hasn't been a regular playoff run to watch. That's really interesting about the, well, but I mean, that's such an iconic moment, I suppose. If you knew the game was almost ending, you, you, you would tune in. Baseball is interesting because there's a game every day. And uh, let's face it, Sean, sometimes the games take three and a half or four hours. And that's not extra innings. <laughs> but, but look, I mean, look, it's four nothing now for, for, for the Blue Jays. What kind of audiences um, do they get? Are we talking millions for them or is it, uh, you know, the high hundred thousands? Yeah, I think it'd be I think it'd be a little bit more modest now, and, and and one of the real hints to that is that you know Rogers hasn't really started you know sort of trumpeting the Blue Jays numbers just yet. Um, part of it is because again I don't think that people have really come back to watch a lot of these games in the way that you know certainly I would have thought you know in March when we're sitting there watching you know 40 year old hockey games that people would just be starved and jump right back onto the bandwagon to watch any sports they can that hasn't universally been the case now should the Blue Jays clinch tonight and and head into the playoffs I think you're almost assuredly going to see those numbers spike up pretty quick well and playoff baseball takes on a whole new you know, new tension and, and new me. I mean, I, I remember watching those Blue Jays teams. And I mean, I referenced the late 80s when I guess they did get into the playoffs in uh, 85 and 89 and had that collapse in 87. And then off. Oh, and they were in in 91 as well, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah. The All-Star, the, the year they hosted the All-Star game too. Right. And then 92, 93, they, they, they win the World Series. So, yeah, I mean, certainly a lot of people were. I, I remember, you're probably going to laugh at this, I, I was in university. 92-93 and and I remember what were the you doing big, just, just not much but <laughs> but, but, I, I, but I remember the the stories were and when you know you actually would buy a newspaper like the stories were this uh, the Saturday night people actually were not going to watch hockey night in Canada they were going to watch the Blue Jays in the ALCS or the uh, or the World Series I don't know if you remember that but that, that was like a story in Canada that's one of the really interesting things that I think that it, it maybe seems hard to believe in a way just because the Blue Jays had been, I mean, frankly, before Jose Bautista, so bad for so long that you know, there are stories of, of the early 90s and, and the Leafs you know, made the playoffs back then every now and again too and Doug Gilmore, the 93 run, you know, LA Kings, all that stuff. The Leafs 
And the Blue Jays, you know, during their off times, there were stories of, you know, Canada's Wonderland is an amusement park out here. And, you know, there are stories of you know, Canada's Wonderland paying for a Blue Jay to come and sign some autographs for a couple hours and then having a Leaf come and sign some autographs for a couple of hours. And, and the, the pay scale wasn't anywhere close, except it tipped towards the Blue Jays players, that the Blue Jays were so much more popular than Leafs for a long stretch of that time that um, it's easy to forget that Toronto was, for, I'd say, the better part of a decade, almost exclusively a baseball town. The Leafs were something to watch in the, uh, in the winter, and then when, as soon as they got eliminated in the spring, it was, it was just baseball, baseball, baseball. Yeah, that that's uh that was a different era, late eighties, early early nineties, and the Blue Jays were yeah, I mean, weren't they the first team we're we're totally going down a different path here, but weren't they the first four team to draw four four million? Yeah. Yeah. Four million fans. Yeah, I mean they they used to boast things about when Skydome opened and it will always be Skydome. Don't correct me, don't at me on Twitter. <laughs> uh when Skydome opened, they used to post all those really interesting facts and, and and now you kind of cringe at them because it wasn't maybe the most responsible but I, I remember being a kid going to one of my first games at skydome and i think it was must have been 89 uh, it might be an argos game not a blue jays game but um and it said that you know when fully lit and fully operational skydome used more electricity than like charlottetown what <laughs> it, was, it was just this massive testament to Canadian ingenuity and then it was completely obsolete by the time Camden Yards opened in Baltimore but yeah no like the Blue Jays had a winning team it was still relatively new as a franchise and it only arrived in 1977 and then all of a sudden you had this giant concrete toilet bowl that happened to have an opening lid and <laughs> it was just this sort of perfect symmetry where everybody went baseball nuts and at that point the Leafs were still playing in Maple Leaf Gardens and and were fairly routinely still terrible Sean, we got to do this again. I always have so much fun uh, when you're on, and we obviously just kind of start talking. <laughs> so, so this was great. Uh, the article on The Athletic, uh, of course, is uh, is really good. If people want to check that out, they can follow you on Twitter. Uh, Sean Fitzgerald, don't forget the hyphen between Fitz and Gerald. And uh, we'll talk again soon, buddy. Have a great evening. Absolutely. You too. Thanks for having me. All right. It's good to have Sean on the show. So we kind of meandered a little bit there, but interesting stuff about uh, the ratings. People like their sports, but not everything is uh, is through the roof. And uh, perhaps uh, the Rogers deal uh, hurt a little bit here with the uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas Stanley Cup final. We're going to take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. Blue Jays bottom of the seventh. They are looking good. We'll keep you updated, of course. Cowtown Bob texting in. He says, uh, hi, Reed. I am watching the hockey playoffs only. I'm usually immersed in the CFL this time of year and will start watching NFL when hockey is over. But I don't think I will find it as entertaining as the CFL where we have local teams involved. In spite of the upside-down sports schedule this year, I must say I have enjoyed the hockey games immensely. We should definitely tip our hats to the players and everyone who was involved in making the NHL playoffs happen. It was great. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of good games. Uh, absolutely. I would not count Dallas out yet. I think uh, I think they're far from done, though, look, Tampa Bay is obviously a great team. Uh, Lokish writes in, he says, watching these playoffs and realize that the Oilers need a lot more than a center goalie and a winger. They need veterans, grinders, 
Look at the teams who won it the last few years, like the Blues and Caps, maybe Tampa this year. It took years for them to build deep. And, of course, the Oilers need a winning culture and good habits of playing hard, smart, and defensive. So our window has to be longer, and players and fans need to wait. Ovechkin waited, and Stamkos is doing it too. That's a pretty good text coming in from Lokish. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.